Another Way to Play, episode 28. Hey, this is Adam Beckstead, founder of Welkin Equity. And if you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my friend Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the 9-to-5 rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is Another Way to Play with your host, Hans Struzina. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Struzina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Uh, Today's guest is a friend of mine, Adam Beckstead. He owned and operated a successful auto collision facility uh, for almost three decades and was in the middle of expanding when he got an offer from someone to buy that business. Uh, He wasn't looking to sell, but an offer came along and he realized that was the opportunity to reinvent himself. Uh, Since selling the business, uh, he is now invested in over 400 units and has a portfolio that he owns himself and has built it up to that size in just three years. Uh, During our conversation today, Adam and I get into a couple of different things that are definitely uh, worth noting. And, and applying to your own story. Uh, the main one is the scalability of what it is you're doing today. He realized that the auto collision business, um, while it was lucrative, was not the scalability he was looking for. He had to be there doing the work, hiring the people, managing everything, and realized that real estate was an alternative um, that was more scalable for him and the lifestyle he was looking to pursue. And then he also talks about networking, getting out there, letting people know what it is you're looking for, finding people who are doing the things that you want to do. Uh, Note there's a trend here. A lot of people saying, get out, network, uh, get a mentor, get around other people who are doing the same thing and success will find you. But he also talks about his runway. It took him six months to get his first deal going um, to the point where he was comfortable. And then once he got his feet under him, understood the ropes, had his proof of concept, he was off to the races and that's where he's at now. Before we get into the uh, show with Adam, make sure that if you haven't done so already, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. If you get value out of this or any of the other episodes, I'd really appreciate that feedback and the help uh, improving the algorithm uh, because it really helps get more people visible to the show. And on a personal note, I would of course love to have a conversation with you. So if you go down into the show notes, uh, find my Calendly link, pick a time that works for you. Let's have a quick chat, get to know each other, promise no pitch, uh, nothing, no charge of any kind, just want to know who you are, what's resonating with you, uh, what I can improve, uh, what I can do better on, all that sort of stuff, uh, and and obviously what I should keep doing. So uh, if you're willing to give me that feedback, I'd love to listen and love to get to know you a little bit. So until then, please enjoy my conversation with Adam Beckstead. Adam, thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate you taking some time to, to talk with us. Absolutely. I definitely appreciate the opportunity to come on and uh, talk with you for a little bit. I'm, I'm definitely excited to get into your story because you've had an interesting path to where you are now in the real estate space. But before we get there, build a little context. Let's back up a bit and talk about you know where, where you started. Where did your journey begin? Can you, can you take us there? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everyone has a little bit of different opinion on, on where their journey started. I And I could probably pick a couple of different areas, but I, I think probably start from school. You know, I started as somewhat of an entrepreneur coming right out of school and working with a family business, uh, also starting another family business and um, just kind of being a general entrepreneur. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I always took advantage of little things here and there, um, but grew up in a completely different industry than I'm in right now, which is real estate. So I'm not sure how um, how deep you want me to get here, Hans. You know, it's interesting that you you mentioned the the entrepreneur thing. Why don't you Why don't you tell us a little bit about that and how what that means? You you started right out of school into an entrepreneurial venture with the with the family business. What did yeah. that look like? My family actually already had a business, um, auto collision repair business, uh, when I was in school. But coming out of school. We actually started a um, kind of a complimentary business where we were doing vehicle accessory business and started that from ground one, um, bought the building, started the business, you know, it was no franchise type of business and ran that for quite a few years and ended up transitioning into the um, automotive collision repair facility and worked throughout there for uh, close to two decades. And starting, you know, started out pushing a broom, cleaning cars, all that kind of stuff. And had done everything in that business other than working on the cars as a full career. I actually love working on the cars. It was kind of nice to only think about one thing. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, working up throughout that business, I ended up uh, managing it, uh, being a general manager and eventually owning the business over the time period. Oh, wow. So you, your parents didn't, didn't shove you into the management role right from the beginning. They, they pushed you to literally be pushing a broom to start and, and then made you work up from there. Yeah, absolutely. And it was, um, I don't know, it was a, it was a very interesting journey. I'm sure many people can have, um, different views on working with a family, uh, the pros and the cons. I think overall it's a, it's a good experience. But I, I will say that there's something to be said for people that had other careers and then came in to work with family. I think it's, it probably would not have hurt me to work in other businesses that wasn't family related, but uh, mm-hmm. I definitely took it very seriously along the whole way and um, respected it at the same time. Is it's interesting, like you, I'm assuming this was a, a several generation family business. It sounds like you came in at least one or two generations into this. Yeah, this is so I would I was second generation. My my parents had actually started it. Got it. So you're working for your parents, you got this opportunity out of school. Um a lot of people, you know, they they go to school, they they leave, they want to leave the nest, they want to go stake their own claim out there in the world, right? But you kind of did another thing and and went not only, you know, engaging with your family and sort of the family capacity at, you know, Thanksgiving and all the normal stuff that we do, but in a in a work environment and started, you know, sweeping floors and and doing the dirty work as it were and worked your way up with them. Like how was that dynamic uh different than your peers, let's say, who went out and got a, a typical job? And what do you think that set you up um, for? I, yeah. So, you know, not many people have that opportunity to be able to go into a business like that. And a lot of people would probably take it for granted. And I think a lot of people uh, within the business, you know, probably just assume, oh, um, geez, it's um, 
kid coming in that doesn't deserve it isn't going to take it seriously. And, and I think I did a pretty good job of proving them wrong that I took it very seriously and um, really cared for everyone that was involved with the business. But um, like most people, when you're in a family business, uh, you tend to get the brunt end of um, <laughs> a lot of arguments that employees don't have to uh, get involved in. So you just, you're much more comfortable with family. So you tend to yep. let your, um, your opinions fly a little more freely. I'd say that's probably the biggest downside. Um, it really wasn't all that bad, but you take the good side to that is the, the huge freedom, the, the one leg up into the business. And um, like I said, overall, it was a really good experience. And you know, it's, it's interesting what you just said, like the leg up, like you had this sort of in route to something, which is something that so many people I think strive for, right? You want to get your foot in the door. You want to, you want to make a good impression and impress somebody. So you get hired and you sort of had that built in uh, with your family to some degree. I'm sure there were, it wasn't just as simple as that, but you know, sometimes, and I think the lesson here is like, sometimes that opportunity you're looking for is, is right in front of you and may not be the thing that you thought it was though. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure I speak for many people when, um, at least with my feelings in school is that I didn't necessarily know what I wanted to do. You know, I grew up watching my parents, um, start a business and it was very intriguing to me. I, I liked it. I like, I liked the fact of owning a business and, and I hope that I can help my kids get the same leg up as my parents did for me. And, but I'm also not going to force it on them. I'm going to, I mean, if they like it, great, but hopefully mm -hmm. we can learn some lessons. And if they want to do something else and they'll learn, take those lessons into something else. And I, I love the way you just framed that as far as helping your kids get a leg up or the, the way that you were helped. Um, cause I think that's, that's really true. And, um, worth a lot now because coming out of college, I think generally speaking, there's a conversation happening in, in a collective way around whether college is worth it or not, because people come out of it, don't know what they want to do, but, but at least ha you had this sort of path that you could take and whether or not you were maybe passionate or excited about the car business, it was an opportunity to learn how to run a business, how to manage yourself, how to just get out there and try. And so you could have been in there for a yeah. year and be like, yo, this isn't for me and pivot into something else though. Yeah. And it was great being able to see all different sides of the business and all the different aspects. So um, some of the stuff um, I was great at and really, um, you know, it really drove me while other things I was really horrible at. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, you know, it was good to be able to rely on other people and, and you learn how to do that when you own a business, it comes kind of forced, you know, you mm -hmm. just, it's out of necessity. Um, when you're just going and working for a job, a lot of times you think you have that, but when you don't have that uh, weighing on your shoulders, a lot of times people just don't understand that and how to adjust uh, and learn those different skills, change them, all that kind of stuff. You're right. When you go, go out, out and be become an entrepreneur or you start a business or, you know, become at least more responsible for the bottom line, as opposed to just a paycheck or a commission check or something, it becomes a really different experience when you have to handle not only whatever it is your responsibility is in your position, but, you know, things like the accounting or the management of money or something as simple as fixing the printer when it, when it jams up. You yeah. Know? 
that teaches you a very different skill and, and may, forces you to flex a very different muscle than you otherwise would if you were just um, just if you were you know in a standard position where your where your boundaries were pretty well set for you. Yeah, as an employee, you can always walk away and go find another job. You know, when everything is reliant on you, you have no one to turn to. Obviously, you can get advisors and all that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. but the ultimate decision is you. And, um, you know, people weigh off of that. You know, they decide, does that person, is that person confident? Do I want to continue to work here? Do I think they're going to keep this place running so that I can continue to have a job? So it's, um, it can be stressful at times. I'm not going to lie. And that's one thing that I think is important to point out is like the entrepreneurial kick is is especially where i live in in the silicon valley region is like that's a big topic of conversation you quit your job quit college start a company make a million dollars you know that sort of narrative is being pushed at the moment and i i think it's a bit of a disservice to most people who maybe aren't cut out for that or haven't who at least haven't built the muscle for themselves in order to be ready to take on that kind of responsibility. In that vein, if someone feels like this itch of entrepreneurism um, or wanting to start their own thing, but hasn't ever stepped out into that world, like you can't be totally ready, right? But like what, being on the other side of it, what is something you would say to that person to maybe prepare them to be ready to step on on their own and, and take, their, take their first swing as the, as the boss, if you will? Um, probably quite a few pieces of advice and, uh, most people are going to think that they're vague, but be prepared to be uncomfortable, mm. um, be prepared to be persistent because you're going to get knocked down. Um, I would say those are probably the two um, biggest pieces of advice. A lot of other stuff you can get over, you know, you, you can get over so many different things if you're persistent. Um, if you can learn to be uncomfortable then you're going to continue to grow. You're, you're not, you're going to realize it's our natural tendency to be like, Oh, this is what I know. This is comfortable. And you just, it's like a machine. You just keep going, you know, learning those new skills, um, new mindsets, whether, I mean, so many different things that you can learn and just be uncomfortable with and realize that you don't have to be perfect at everything. And mm. as long as you continue to be better each and every day, um, even if it's by a fraction of a percent, it's still, better than um, being stagnant where you are. And that is fantastic advice and a perfect segue for your story, I think, because you built up a multiple decade career in the automotive uh, business, you know, with the collision repair and the accessories um, store. And, and, and then you, you decided to get uncomfortable and challenge yourself and get into real estate. Like, okay, so talk us through that. You get, you work your way up into that automotive world and then yeah. pivot, here we are in real estate now. Where, how did that happen? And we could get, I could probably talk about this for a couple hours, but uh, of expanding the business, I had two locations, competitor locations to buy under contract to expand. And I ended up getting an offer to buy my business um, while I was in the process of buying other businesses. Most people would just shrug that off. You know, I, we were very successful, um, a very highly rated um, business and not only in our area, but you know, this section of the state. So, you know, why would someone sell that? Because I could continue on and be successful the rest of my life and have a very, very comfortable life. I realized that no matter what opportunity comes in front of me, I want to take it seriously. So I did. I just, I sat back, I ran the 
um, two different analysis. I ran the financial analysis and then I ran the emotional analysis. And what I realized was I'm putting myself in a small box and I was just preventing myself from growing outside of that. I realized that emotionally I was just beating myself into the ground with the business and not just because it was a business. It's, it's a very, um, that's a very tough business mm-hmm. because you have two different customers. You have someone wants, that wants to pay as little as possible and the next person that wants to have the perfect repair. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, it, it was not anything that I couldn't handle. But, you know, when I sat back and thought about it, I realized, um, you know, I have some experience in real estate. My parents are retired in real estate. You know, I just started thinking about what, what different life could be. So when I um, looked at the financial side of it, I realized how, um, how much bigger I could scale real estate within my lifetime. I mean, we only have so many years, so many days to, um, to work and grow ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I also, um, you know, I have two kids that are 10 and 12 and Mm -hmm. I wanted to spend more time with them. And real estate allows a lot of freedom to do so many different things that going to a location each and every day, uh, running a business doesn't allow, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, real estate. A lot of times I tie in a lot of conferences and meetings that I go to out, out of state. I tie those into uh, family vacations as well. So I bring my family along with me and we get to spend some time together um, kind of uh, on these several mini vacations throughout the year, which has been yeah. fantastic to build relationships with my kids. Yeah, I think I think really those two analyses of, um, you know, where I could go with real estate really um, kicked me in the butt to make a decision. And, and I, you know, there had been several years that I wanted to get into real estate. So when I got the offer to um, to sell my business, I knew exactly what I would compare it to. So, um, you know, I knew exactly, okay, well, if I was going to sell this, this is what I would do. And I think a lot of people, when they get the opportunity to sell their business, they're like, now what, mm-hmm. you know, and yep. they don't sell because they don't know what to do. So luckily I knew exactly what I would do. That's a really good point is knowing kind of what the next step is. Cause as I've experienced with my athletic career and other people who have sort of made large pivots from one thing to another, Um, that transition can be rough, especially when you've been in it for 10 or 20 years. And then you've got your identity tied up in this and obviously your income and all this other stuff. And then you all of a sudden are just going to pivot. Like it just doesn't happen that quickly. And unless you sort of have a plan, you've really thought through this, you know yourself, you know what you're trying to do, which is for those of you who listen regularly, is a theme throughout most of these interviews. When you said that you had the influence of real estate and sort of the bug to get into it, like where did that come from? Or you said your parents were in real estate, but what did that actually mean and what influence did that have on you? Um, So actually even growing up from when I was really young, um, we did, uh, as a family, my parents would buy fix and flips. Mm. And also we moved a lot. So we would move into a house um, it would appreciate and then we'd sell it and move to a different one. So uh, when I was younger, even though we stayed close to the same area, we moved a lot and I was av- able to get a lot of handy skills working on houses. I remember when I was, oh, uh, I was pretty young, but I was up on the roof of a house roofing with my sister mm. and it was like a three day event. First day, it was super warm. Second day, it snowed. And oh the third gosh. day it was super warm again. And I just, I really remember that. And I was up there roofing 
and I made a hundred dollars. I was so excited. I mean, when I was young, a hundred dollars was a lot, oh, but yeah. you know, it's just it's learning those skills when I was young that my parents, you know, uh, I mean, they kind of forced it upon me, but I, I hated it then. I, I love that they did it now because it made mm-hmm. me very handy. And then it was years until I realized what we were doing with fix and flips. You know, when I was young, I'm like, this is stupid. What are we doing? Mm-hmm. And you know, now I realize how awesome it is, you know, all the benefits that you get from it and how much money you can make from it. Uh, yeah. While I don't do fix and flips now, I mean, I did do a few in the past and from doing them, I realized that's not what I'm going to do moving forward. It's yep. just not for me. So there's a couple things here. One is getting out there and trying, like you, you were the beneficiary of your parents' experimentation and, and, you know, strategy because you had it modeled to you but there's also something to know of like getting out into the world giving it a shot seeing if you like it like just get started and then obviously you decided hey fix and flips not for me so then you found a different path which is uh where you're at now yes yeah and, and um i was doing fix and flips while i was still in the in the business so so i was doing that side by side um, I have not done uh, a fix and flip ever since I sold my business. Oh, wow. So you, so you kind of had two things going on at once. Yeah. Before we get into what you're doing now, which I, this hopefully will be a great segue. Um, you said something about the scalability of your previous business versus real estate. And you were the, you were fortunate in that you had this sort of side by side comparison um, can you talk about that scalability and not only what it meant sort of financially and bottom line wise, but what that meant for you and your time and what your plan was going in? Um, there's, there's actually quite a few things I could touch on here. Um, but as far as scalability, I mean, number one, using leverage, you know, I can take my money. Um, I can essentially buy four times worth of property and, you know, that gets paid down over time while I continue to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, another, and I'm going to say reverse scalability is mm. when I own my business, I had over 20 employees. Um, now I have zero employees. So on a reverse scalability, I'm able to get the sales. However, I don't have the employees that I have to pay for and, you know, hire, fire, manage, you know, I don't have that huge amount. Now, obviously as I continue to scale, that will, that will grow, but mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of like a reverse scalability that no one really talks about because in real estate, you can make quite a bit of money by yourself with zero employees. Um, I, there's a third point I was going to hit and I'm, I'm, I'm skipping, um, I'm skipping my mind. Hang on a second. Other people's money. OPM. Yep. So now you could obviously start a business and grow a business with other people's money, but it's not as conventional as you would do with real estate it's a lot harder to sell to people. Now, while I was in the business, I wasn't trying to raise people's money, but if I wanted to stay in that business and grow it, I probably could have used other people's money to grow that business. Mm -hmm. But with real estate, you're, you know, you can bring on partners. um, You can bring on passive partners that don't have to do any of the work and you work their money for them. And so they're making a return on their money. They own a tangible asset. And it's just, it's much more conventional than investing in a business. Because when you think about investing in a business, you kind of like, "Mm, I don't know, you know, can they perform all that type of stuff? And I mean, funny thing is, is I'm actually still looking for um, businesses 
to partner with and invest in. Um, mm-hmm. Not ones that I would run, but I, you know, I love brainstorming about stuff. So I think I can bring a lot of um, unique perspective to businesses. So I actually was just in talks with a business about investing with them and just kind of being a silent partner with some feedback and yep. it didn't pan out, but um, I've looked at a couple over the, over the past uh, year and a half. Got it. Well, yeah, man, the, the scalability thing I think is really important to to come to grips with and what you said there, like you can literally leverage your money. So what he's talking about is if you have, you know, a hundred thousand dollars, you can typically get a loan depending on the property for about four X or three X of that. So you have a total of $400,000 of purchasing power effectively. And then if you wanted to scale it even further, you could take your hundred, your friend's hundred and your other friend's hundred, you have three, and now you have nearly a million dollars or over a million dollars, excuse me, of purchasing power. Um, and you could be the only one doing the work and they could just be passive and getting a fixed rate of return. Whereas with a business, like for, for your car uh, company, for example, you literally have to pay people hourly or some kind of a salary to cover the work that needs to be done because it's sort of exponential. If you're going to make more money, you have to service more cars and you need more people to do that. Whereas with this, with real estate in this example, you can just bring in more investors and it's still just you. And eventually, you, you know, you need a property manager and some of that other stuff, but we can talk about that. That's sort of besides the point. Yeah. Um, but when you're looking at something, whether you own a business, you're working in someone else's deal, you know, figuring out what that scalability means for you, both on the bottom line and the business numbers, but also your time and what it is that you want to do ultimately outside of your work, because a business is, in my opinion, something that should lead you to a lifestyle that you're pursuing as opposed to forcing a lifestyle upon you uh, and, and being able to spend more time with your kids or go on vacations or do whatever that thing is that that hobby is that's really important to you. Like those considerations are just as valuable uh, in my opinion as the monetary ones. Yeah. Hans, I also wanted to touch on, um, you know, we talked about scalability you know, being able to buy a $400,000 property for a hundred thousand. And you know, what you don't, what a lot of people don't think about is that you can do a forced appreciation on something like that, where you bought something for 400,000, but if you rehabbed it and refinanced it, maybe it's worth Mm $700,000. Then you pull out $200,000, pay back your hundred, then you get a hundred thousand dollars tax free, might I say. Mm -hmm. Um, And you have this property for zero money. You have your money back plus another hundred thousand. You could then take that 200,000 and buy an $800,000 property and continue to do that. So I tell you, you just, you start churning your money and you get it back. You put it in something else. You get it back. You put it in something else. And um, like the scalability is just um, it's crazy. And it's really hard to do with a business. I mean, that's not something that because a business is, is blue sky for the most part, other than, you know, you're at the hard assets you have, your equipment and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Banks don't like to loan on blue sky. And what I mean by blue sky is that your business is worth something. It's making money and bringing in something, right. but it doesn't have tangible assets where real estate is a tangible asset. So it's really easy to turn that money, refinance, put back out. And banks love loaning on real estate. Way, yep. It's way easier to get a real estate loan than a business loan. 
I thank you for bringing up the forced appreciation or what some of you might know, this is the Burr strategy. If you listen to Bigger Pockets a lot, you know, that buy, rehab, refinance, repeat, there might be another R in there that I'm missing. Yeah. But, um, but the concept still remains the same. Like you can turn that money over, scale that money, you know, leverage it in, in interesting ways that you're right. You can't do with the business. Like you have to buy machinery in your case, and then obviously labor um, and rent or the, the mortgage on the building. But like, it's not scaling in the same way as, as it does with something like real estate, which obviously was what drew you into it. So um, let's talk about how you got started. So you, you didn't have a ton of, you had some flipping experience, but you, you decided not to go flips. You wanted to go to larger multifamily stuff. Like for most people, I would say that is sort of a big scary thing. Like how did you transition out of the, the car business and into um, buying larger apartment buildings? Like what was that like for you? Uh, well, I started buying a single family home from a wholesaler. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, and you know what? It took me, I think it took me about five, six months to find that first deal. Mm -hmm. And because I was nervous. You know, it, it was the training wheels were off. It was new territory. And um, I, I wanted to, while I knew I wanted to go into real estate, I also didn't want to make stupid decisions um, right from the get-go. So mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to buy a property that I know if it goes bad in a year, I could sell for at least what I paid for it. Mm -hmm. You know, even if I didn't have the best deal. And, um, so that's what I did. You know, it was really hard to find a deal. Even and this was back in 2016 and it, while the market's hot now, it was even hot back then, not as mm -hmm. high as it is now. Um, but it was hard to find a deal. So, um, I started networking. I started going to meetups. Um, I started going on bigger pockets. I started reading as much as I could. I started, um, w uh, listening to podcasts, um, pretty much almost anything and everything. But I think my biggest success came from networking. Um, yep. and, and when I started out, I just, I just networked locally, you know, just started going to, to local meetups and telling people what I was looking for, learning from their mistakes, their wins, and just telling them what I wanted. And that's where I got um, all of my deals was from networking. Every that's single awesome. one of them. And you know, I didn't, there was nothing that was um, like I found on the MLS or anything like that. It's all just been through networking of my personal portfolio. And, you know, I started growing that and buying um, single family homes. Um, I bought a couple of packages of homes. I bought up to a 10 plex and ramped it up to 42 units in probably a year and a half to two years. And that was... And um, I mean, that was fast. Most people, yeah, I mean, that, fast. that scares a lot of people. And, you know, I see a lot of jaws hit the floor when I talk to them about that, especially ones that aren't experienced in real estate, but I wish I would have went faster. But once I realized how easy that first deal was, it was just like the floodgates opened and deal after deal started coming into me and I got, I was less scared. Mm -hmm. So once, once I hit that point, I realized this is my proof of concept. I mean, this is going to work for me. And because I was buying such varied assets, I had single family, multifamily, and I also had some office space. I'm like, okay, well, we got to figure out how we want to proceed forward. So actually, um, I distinctly remember I was sitting at lunch. I want to do a little plug for Chipotle. I was at Chipotle um, <laughs> eating my delicious burrito. 
And I'm like, you know what? I got to start networking outside of locally. So I just opened up my phone, got on Facebook, started searching up groups. And I started joining as many groups as I could mm-hmm. um, with real estate. And all of a sudden, I just started getting like advertisements and all this type of stuff for um, a boot camp from uh, Rod Cleef's boot camp about mm-hmm. multifamily. And I'm like, this is a couple of days later. And I, his marketing team was on point because, you know, I didn't, I didn't visit anything, but because I was on those Facebook pages, I started getting some, some advertisements for it. But I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to this. I'm going to try to figure out, am I doing what needs to be done? Am I missing something? I want to verify what I felt like was my proof of concept. And I was going to determine at that point, whether we're going to continue on with multifamily or whether we are going to try another route. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I go to this boot camp and it, you know, I, I definitely learned some stuff from there, but for the most part, it reaffirmed everything that we were already doing, you know, that what we were doing was right. And, you know, we were, we were hitting the nail on the head. So I'm like, we're, we're moving forward with multifamily. We already preferred it before I went into this. I really enjoyed it on top of that was the networking that was there, you know, getting to talk to people, see their experiences from all over the U S and, you know, I've grown from that very first one, I've grown some really strong friendships and partnerships moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And I, and I, I love that you brought up your, your journey of like, I got out there and I networked and it took me five or six months to find the first house. And then I just started talking to people, networking, tell them what I'm looking for, figure out what you're looking for, probably trying a bunch of stuff. And then you were, then you sort of went and sought other wisdom. Once you got to a point where you were maybe bumping your head into the ceiling and said, am I doing this right? Is there a way to continue to scale it? Cause I think a lot of people want the the silver bullet or the answer before they even go out and try anything like a, a period at all. Right. And I, yeah, and I just want to honor the fact. Yeah, exactly. And I want to honor the fact that you just went out and you, you started uh, first and then you started to figure it out because analysis paralysis comes in to play here. And if you're not careful, you will just never do anything. And I think that's something that they talk about on bigger pockets all the time is like, don't buy a bad deal. Like don't just start to start, but like at some point, like, like pull the trigger, like get it done. And then you'll start to figure out what works, what doesn't, what you like, what you don't like. Cause in my experience and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're never going to get rich or you're never going to go totally broke off that first deal you know, as long as you do your due yeah. diligence, you know, in a reasonable fashion, like it's going to be an education process. Even if you break even, like how good is that free education all of a sudden? It's worth yeah. a lot. And, and I think most people get hung up because they're looking for a unicorn deal. They're looking for that perfect deal. And then when it's not perfect, they just pull back and, and, you know, they have the fear as well. And, and I will say, um, you know, starting out, I definitely had more money than sense when it came to, um, real estate, you know, I was still very early learning. So I had the, I had the advantage, you know, selling a business that I had mm-hmm. some capital that I could invest in a variety of different things. And most people out there are going to say, figure out what you want to invest in first. Mm-hmm. Well, I completely understood that from the get go, but I also realized I want to ramp up my learning curve and I want to learn what I like sooner than later. So I'm going to buy mm-hmm. a variety of stuff as long as I feel like it's a good deal, let's try it out. If it's not, I'll sell it and then, you know, focus on 
um, what I like and where I want to be. And just because mm -hmm. I'm in multifamily doesn't mean that's what other people have to be in because some people may hate multifamily. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people that are way more successful than me and they invest in single family. So, mm -hmm. and, and especially, um, you know, some triple net leasing commercial type stuff, um, office buildings, you know, you can make money in all of that. It's just depending on where you like it and yep. where you see the growth happening. Dude, very well said. Thank you for bringing that up. I appreciate it. We could probably go on for hours about real estate and scaling and just strategies and stuff. But unfortunately, we're getting to the end of our time and definitely want to respect your time. So I am going to have to go ahead and transition us to the final segment of the show, which is the focus five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Let's Are do you it. ready? All right. And this can be real estate related or not. But it. Uh, so the question is, uh, what book have you gifted most recently? Never Split the Difference by Chris uh, Voss. Yeah. Love that book. Um, I'm actually, I, that's on my, my reread every year list right now. It's a fantastic option mm -hmm. of choice. Um, if you could have a conversation with anybody in the world past or present live or dead and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? Such a unique question. And, and I thought I, I can think of several different people, but I'm actually not going to go for probably what most people would say is like Warren Buffett or something like that. Something real estate related. Uh, I'm going to say Bruce Lee. Hmm. Uh, that is the first his, on the show. I think for his age, he was so knowledgeable about life in general. Um, that just the knowledge that he grasped is, is just insane to me. Awesome. Awesome advice. What is one thing that you believe that most people would disagree with you on? That's a, that's a hard question. No one ever disagrees with me. <laughs> or they're fired. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, man, I don't want to pass. I want to give you an answer here. Um, would disagree with me on. Let's come back to that one. All right. I, I give will give a, you an answer. I promise. Yeah. We'll circle back after this one. This, this will be a, a more of a warm up. What's, uh, what's your morning routine look like? Give us a glimpse of how you start your day. Yeah. So... Uh, uh, get my gym time done and come back, catch up on emails and then start hitting my to-do list. Um, that is obviously if I'm not traveling. So if I'm traveling, going someplace, uh, then that completely throws off my routine. Um, but uh, that's my routine. Awesome. Awesome. Well, the last question is, you know, if people like what you're doing and they want to connect with you, where can they find you online? Uh, multiple different places. I probably spend right, most of my time right now on Facebook. Um, and you can just search my name. I have two different pages. You can go on either one's a business account. The other one is just my personal account. I probably spend more time on my personal account. So you can catch me there. Got it. Well, we will link to your uh, Facebook page in the show notes so people can connect with you if they want to hear more about your story, uh, what you're doing investment wise now, which is pretty awesome. In my opinion, you're definitely scaling up in a lot of ways and uh, generally just what you have going on. So that's over at Facebook. Check down in the show note. Yeah, so I, I have my answer to um, what people mostly disagree with me on. Okay, let's hear it. I'm, I was waiting for you. I was, thought you were, you were about to bring something out. Uh, college. I, okay. I'm not, I'm not a big proponent of college. And Can I'm you sure expand many, on that? Many of your listeners are going to disagree with that. Um, tell me what sense it makes 
to spend 50 grand on a degree that you don't get a job in, but people won't spend $10,000 to um, educate themselves better and start a business. Boom. I, I mean, what sense does this make? I, I mean, we have so many people going to college um, and, and, it, and rightfully so. I told you, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was in school. Um, but I also didn't go spend 50 plus thousand dollars to realize that I still don't know what I want. And, you know, my wife went to college. She really ground the the pavement to get it done, um, stuck to it. And she did get a job in her career, but she's been a stay at home mom ever since we've had a kid and not used that career. And how mm-hmm. many people do that? You know, it was probably 10 years after our son that we finally paid off her school loan. Wow. Uh, yeah. Not, not that I couldn't, but man, that was cheap interest. So I wasn't paying that off early. Yeah. But I hear yeah, I'm, I'm not a big proponent of college in general, and I definitely will not push my kids to go to college. However, if they want to go to college, I will support them and guide them. Awesome. Adam, thank you so much for your time today and all the thoughts and nuggets you've brought forward and through your story and uh, definitely look forward to staying connected with you. And um, do you have anything else for the listeners before we sign it off? No, that's it. I had a great time, Hans. You brought up some, uh, some good stuff. We had some really good conversation, one of the, one of the best podcasts I've had. So uh, I thank you for uh, inviting me on. Thanks. I appreciate it. Well, we'll sign it off and uh, have a good rest of your day. And that wraps it up for today. Hopefully you enjoyed my conversation with Adam. Uh, I have included his business and personal Facebook pages down in the show notes so you can connect with him directly if you want to learn more about what he's doing or just connect with him. Very approachable, awesome guy willing to share anything and everything he can uh, with you. So Go check him out there. And while you're in the show notes, of course, my Calendly link is down there. I would love to connect with you personally as well. Uh, So if you find a time that works for you uh, on your calendar, let's grab a, let's let's have a chat. Uh, Let's get to know each other a little better. Promise no pitch, uh, absolutely no charge or no ulterior motive other than I want to get to know you, uh, ask you what's working, what I can do better on, how I can improve this show uh, for you as a listener. And of course, if you're getting value out of it, I would really, really appreciate a written rating and review on iTunes because that definitely helps me uh, grow and get the podcast out in front of more people through uh, the feedback you give and also the algorithm picks that up and and puts it in front of more people. So uh, without any further ado, we're going to sign it off. This is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play. And remember to make every chapter better than the last. Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at ChiefSNAH on Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play.